Thanks, Melinda. Well, good morning. Dobri Ranuk, Ni Hao, and uh, I can't remember the Hungarian. What was the Hungarian one we learned the other day? There you go. Yeah, that's the Yorkshire one. We, we should maybe have an international slot for Yorkshire as a thing, shouldn't we? You could do that one, Rich. It'd be great. Uh, fab, so for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Caleb, and uh, I'm one of the leaders here at Gateway Church. It's good to be together, isn't it? It's good to uh, see so many faces here in the room. Today, uh, we, are, we are drawing towards the end of um, the, the first letter um, to the church in Thessalonica that Paul wrote. Um, so towards the end of our series, really, we've got one more talk in this first kind of initial um, look at the, the first letter, uh, and then we're going to have a bit of a break, and then we will um, pick up the second letter fairly soon. Um, but, but we are in this final passage of um, this letter, which if you read it through, if you read from kind of chapter five onwards, it feels like all these different just like scattergun approach of like, here's a thought about this, here's a little line about this, here's a one-liner about that. And so next week, we're going to cover a whole bunch of those in small sections in a slightly different creative way. Uh, but today, I, I wanted to just kind of pause really and pull out and focus for one week, a whole kind of talk and morning this morning on a few verses from verse 19 to 22. So I realize we've skipped a bit. We'll come back to that next week. But today we want to look at verses 19 to 22 of chapter 5. And um, so really, um, before we look at these verses together, I want to, like Melinda um, said, my title this morning is The Quest for the Radical Middle. And uh, you might think, what a great title. It's not my title. Um, it's actually the title of a book uh, by a, a chap called Bill Jackson, uh, which I read a few years ago. And uh, Bill Jackson was a, uh, a part of the vineyard movement of churches. Some of you might be aware of them. There's certainly one in York and in many other cities around the world. And, um, and he tells the story of the vineyard movement of churches. He talks about how they came to be and some of the lessons they learned along the way. And what he talks about, the big idea in the book, is uh, that there is this quest, this search for the radical middle. This is what he talks about. So what he says essentially is that often a, a move of God and, and that can result in a, a new kind of um, kind of group of churches or a, certainly churches that have a certain identity, often this happens because a group of people experience a forgotten biblical truth. They don't invent something new. They don't, you know, kind of come up with something out of the blue. God reminds them in his grace of something that's just been lost in the church. And, and it's very organic and it's very fluid and dynamic. But then what happens is to sustain it, they have to get organized. You, you have to kind of coalesce around this idea. You can't just kind of be organic forever. And what he says is if you manage to do that, to capture the, the kind of the, the new, fresh, dynamic work of God, while also becoming organized and founded, getting your good foundations in, in terms of like the Bible, he says what you achieve is, is a good balance. And, and, and this movement will be on the cutting edge of things, but also able to survive. However, what he then talks about is with the passage of time, this radical middle becomes harder and harder to sustain because it's a place of tension. What he talks about is that you get pulled from one way or the other, and the two kind of extremes will be, one would be 
that you stay in that kind of fresh thing of what God is doing. You, you, you experience the, the spirit-led spontaneity, but you don't get biblically grounded. You don't ask the questions around, you know, how does this tie into what we know of God already from the Bible and through history? And what can happen over time is you move away from, from what we call like biblical doctrine. You move away from the solid foundation of the Bible, and ultimately, in his words, you become a cult. That's what happens. Uh, you become cultish. If you just, it's all about what is God doing, and we're not getting grounded in Scripture. But he says the other way that you are tempted to move towards is, is essentially you get more organized. You focus on the, the good biblical foundations. But if you do that at the expense of the dynamic work of the Spirit, if you're not seeing spontaneity, he talks about the end result of that will, in his language, be dead orthodoxy and institutionalism. These are the, the kind of poles. And what he says is the challenge is to, to, can we affirm both? Can we have a quest for the radical middle where we're, we're attempting to be both? We have the dynamic work of the Spirit. What is the fresh thing that God is doing amongst us? Let's be spontaneous. Let's invite God to move in our time. But let's also be founded solidly on the Bible. Let's ask the questions of, of does this tie in with what we understand of God through the Bible and throughout history. And so the quest for the radical middle is this, this idea of trying to stay true to both. And I believe that in this passage today that we come to in 1 Thessalonians 5, I wonder if this is what was at play already in the early church, this tension, this dynamic. You have, you know, this is what, only a couple of years after Paul has visited and planted a church there. It's a fairly immature church, possibly even less than that. And it's also only about 20 years or so after Jesus um, has died and risen from the dead. But even so, in the early church, I think this is maybe what's at play here. So as we read these verses, try and bear that in mind and see if you can see how this is playing out okay. So verse 19 says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now, just to be clear, because actually this, this was, um, I, I've often read this whole section um, and kind of felt like it broke down into all these different kind of very small little encouragements and words, and it kind of does, but this is all one chunk together. Um, so just to be really clear about this, when Paul says, you know, it doesn't, it's not one thought, do not stifle the Holy Spirit, do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. That's not one thought, and then the next thought is, hold on to what is good generally and stay away from every kind of evil in general. Those are obviously good pieces of advice, but Paul is actually meaning that in the context of do not stifle the Holy Spirit. So as in test everything, and when you've tested it, hold on to the stuff that is good and reject the stuff that is evil, yeah? Just to be, to be clear about that from the start. So I, my suggestion is that this is the tension that is at play in the early church. You have some people on the one hand who are stifling the Holy Spirit. They are scoffing at prophecy. They, they are turning their nose up at, at God speaking and being active and alive today. 
And then you've got some other people who are potentially going wild in that in, with the Holy Spirit, with prophecy, but they're not testing or weighing. That's, that's what I believe is happening here in this situation. Now, let me ask you a question. Does this still happen today? Is this still a tension that we have to live with? Do you see this outworked in the various streams and denominations of church life where, where one stream might overemphasize one and another stream might overemphasize the other? Yes, we can probably all acknowledge that. I'm not going to you know, get into naming names or calling people out at all. Really what we want to do today is ask the question, how might this apply to us as a church Today, sometimes you get these, you know, these different things going on where churches who are, who are kind of wild in the Holy Spirit and there is a dynamic work of God, and you kind of think, oh, like, I'm not sure, does that tie in with the Bible, really? And then you might have others who it's almost like they're, they're playing it so safe that, that it's like, is God at work still? You know, we, we're solid in the Bible, but like, where's, where's the dynamic work of the Spirit uh, today? So what does Paul say? What's his advice here? I mean, it's dead simple. It's not difficult. It's not complicated anyway. Maybe it is difficult, but it's not complicated. What does Paul say? He says, test everything that is said and hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. The, the way we do this is we do not stifle the Holy Spirit. So we don't, we don't push it down. We don't scoff at prophecies, but we do test everything. There is a warning to those who reject the Holy Spirit's work today. Or, or maybe even I heard one church leader recently say to me, well, I've kind of moved on from that stuff, from like the charismatic work of God, because it just didn't deliver for me. Maybe the warning here is don't stifle the Holy Spirit or scoff at prophecy. You know, you can't explain everything. You can't put everything nice and neatly into a box. Sometimes God is mysterious, and the way that he works by his spirit is like, I, I, I can't quite understand this. Sometimes it might shock us, or we think, gosh, God, is that really you? But in reaction to that, our response should not be to stifle, to downplay, to scoff at these things. We can't end up with a, a faith that is like head only, and there's no heart, there's no spirit involved. But then maybe there is also a warning to those who've, who've, who've kind of gone too far, and they treat, you know, kind of prophecy or that quiet inner voice and, and think, well, this has the same authority as the Bible. You know, anything, anything that's brought today that is prophetic, we, we can't elevate that to the same status as the Bible. We have to test everything. We have to hold on to what is good and reject what is evil. Yes, the Holy Spirit is dynamic and doing a new thing, and we need to be open to that. But God isn't going to suddenly change who he is. He's not, his character does not change. So we need to make sure that everything that happens is grounded in the Bible. When God moves, when God's at work, when God's doing something, we need to test it. What does that look like? Well, I would suggest that there's, there's kind of a few things, really, three things uh, that I would suggest ways of testing. Uh, one, one is just to kind of just look generally at the Bible. Does this tie in? What we are seeing in terms of the, a move of God when the Holy Spirit has worked, does it tie in with what we know of God 
in the Bible and through history. And the second thing is a specific thing around prophecy, which is in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 14, uh, which uh, essentially we've looked at this in the prophetic workshops recently, haven't we? Um, from verse 3, well, we go from verse 1, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. So a really good way of testing if something is God speaking through someone in a prophetic way is to ask the question, does it strengthen? Does it encourage? Does it comfort? If it doesn't do those things, then maybe it's not prophecy. It's a good way of testing it. That's the second one. And the third one I would suggest is, you know, kind of particularly if you're new to faith, is ask other wiser, older believers. You know, if you're sensing something like, this is what God is saying to me, this is what God is doing in our time, and you're the only one out of six billion people on the, on the earth who's feeling that way, it's probably a good idea to hear other voices, isn't it? And to listen and to check and to ask questions of others who are more mature than us. Now, the interesting thing is at the moment, and I, by the way, I'm nearly finished, like genuinely nearly finished here. We are going to leave lots of room for God to work. Um, but the young people at the moment, so I've kind of made reference to this previously and um, in a couple of settings. And I, I don't want to say too much because the young, I just don't want to, we don't want to squash or put too much pressure on our young people. But some of them are experiencing God in all kinds of ways at the moment that makes me go, whoa, <laughs> like I have, I have never experienced that. And, uh, and it is quite remarkable. It is quite incredible. And it is, it is brilliant to see. Our young people are hungry for God, and God is responding to that. They are meeting with the Holy Spirit in all kinds of ways. I was talking to a parent recently where um, four of our young people had, had been around at somebody's house just in the, in the school holidays recently, and they were praying for one another to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were experiencing God uh, without any of us there at all. Now, obviously, you kind of think, oh, is there wisdom in that? But I think, isn't it fab? that young people are hungry for God and they are experiencing him. And we love it. As a youth team, we are, you know, kind of going, what on earth do we do? But also like, just, just being so bowled over by the hunger in our young people. But this is working out. We, we are having to work this out in terms of helping coach them through. How do you test this stuff? How do you know what is God and, and what is just kind of, you know, hyped up young people who are having a great time. How do you distill down to work out where, where is God at work and, and you know, how does this tie into what we understand of God in the Bible? And we're able to do that as a team and we're coming around them and we're just kind of encouraging them, but we're also making sure that we don't stifle what God is doing. It would be really easy to just come down and be like, no, that's not God, that's not God, that's not God. And in doing so, stifle the Holy Spirit. We have to live with this tension with our young people at the moment of saying, we're not going to stifle what God is doing by coming down too hard, but also we need to coach. We need to help them learn. How do you test what God is doing here? So we talk about all kinds of things. We talk about how God is good and he only does good things. And so if you experience something that isn't good, it's not God. It's basic, but for young people, they need 
to hear that. We talk about how what God does on the inside is more important than what God does on what happens on the outside. When somebody is experiencing God, what is physically happening to them is much less important than what is actually God doing in that moment of their meeting and how is he changing them and how are they experiencing him. And so we're just walking through this at the moment with our young people and it's great and it's fab and you can ask them if you you know if you chat to any of our teenagers at the moment just ask for some stories and they'll tell you some stories just be prepared for them because they're pretty wild um so yeah so this is it this is this is God at work and we're you know it's been really encouraging for me to just kind of look at that passage afresh and remind myself of that tension that we have because we're we're out outworking it uh, in the life in the lives of our young people and our youth group at the moment so this morning I am going to wrap things up very, very quickly. And, uh, and we are going to leave time. We're going to respond to God. We are going to worship him. And we're going to pray, come Holy Spirit. And we're just going to see what God does. And I believe that God will speak afresh today. And we have to be careful, don't we? And I, I suppose this is where I want to land it in terms of, you know, kind of us today. For, for us as individuals, I want to ask you the question. If, if there is this tension that we have to live with, which way do you naturally sway? Do you sway towards, you know, kind of stifling and squashing what God does and being skeptical and thinking, oh, I'm not sure that's God. Like, let's just stick to the Bible because that's safe. Do you lean that way? And if so, maybe God wants to surprise you by the dynamic work of his spirit available today. Or do you lean the other way? Are you all about God? Are you, are you all about the Holy Spirit? Come, Holy Spirit, come and do da 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 but maybe you need to learn how to test things. You need to learn how to ground things in Scripture. Which way do you lean today? I, I would be really interested. I'm not going to do this. I'd be really interested to ask a, you to raise hands, like one way or the other. I'm not going to ask you to do that. But my gut feel would be probably, um, for most of us in this room, we would lean towards the safe side, the, the kind of stifling. Right? I, I don't know if that's true or not, but that would be my gut feel, is that probably most of us lean towards... Let's keep it safe. Let's, let's test everything, and, and that's good. But maybe at the expense of being open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our day, in our time, amongst us as a local church, maybe. So uh, musicians, why don't you come on up? And uh, I'm going to pray. Well, shall we stand together? And I'm going to pray. And then we're going to respond to God.